Hello, and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We are so excited to bring you this show. Our podcast is all about unraveling all of your favorite mysteries from the Assassin's Creed games. Each episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Assassin's Creed universe. From pieces of Eden, solar flares, and the Isu, to the Hidden Ones, the Order of Ancients, and of course, the Animus, we will seek to uncover it all. So join us, and maybe even take a leap of faith. Hello and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Shelby or SheCup, and we are back with another character deep dive. Yeah, I am your other host, Austin, also known as Teacup. And yes, we are here on, I guess it counts as a double deep dive. Um, I could have done separate deep dives for these, but there's so much overlap that it didn't make sense to do separate deep dives for this episode. Yeah, and I guess if you um if you haven't looked at the episode title, you can totally guess what we're talking about by that introduction alone. And so as as you may have guessed, we are indeed talking about the Fry twins, Jacob and Evie. Yes, and I just want to say for those of you who might listen who are actual twins, I do know that twins are separate people and are not always lumped together. So I just want to say that just in this context, it makes sense to talk about them together. I mean, sure. Yes, absolutely. Twins are twins are different people. And often I find that twins are more different from one another than they are from their other siblings, for sure. Um, but when it comes to a video game, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to talk about them separate from one another. So we are... We are given one episode to the Fry Twins, and that's just how it is. Yeah. So I want to start off with some fun facts, which are always fun. A departure from your fun facts at the end. Yes. But these are just fun at the beginning. So this one I found really interesting. So according to a Tumblr post from the official Assassin's Creed Tumblr, so Assassin's Creed has a tumblr apparently or did jacob fry is canonically bisexual yeah i think i saw this um like a while ago i i I don't i don't remember how i knew about it i think that the person who wrote jacob also confirmed that they wrote him to to be canonically bisexual yes so there is a Character in which Jacob interacts with, his name is Maxwell Roth. He is a Templar. And the writer of Jacob said that after Jacob's experiences with Maxwell Roth, Jacob had to question things about himself. And then the Assassin's Creed Tumblr confirmed that Jacob is canonically bisexual, which we can now put two and two together. Jacob had a crush on Maxwell Roth. Sure. 
I think that this is fine to have in the game. Um, I haven't played the game, so I can't attest to whether or not this is very like Dumbledore retroactive, like we're just going to say that for the clicks or if this is actually fair to the character. I can't I can't say that because I haven't played the game and so I don't feel like it's fair for me to really have an opinion on that. But what I will say is that I do think representation matters. Um, and I think that while there are definitely some ways that Assassin's Creed and Ubisoft as a, as a franchise, like they all need to improve, I think that Assassin's Creed has done fairly well for a game series that started in 2007. Like the first character we play as is a Muslim. You know, they have pretty good representation of different races. And while, yes, there are things that were offensive things that are uh, we can grow on and definitely a lot of ways to improve in terms of female representation. I think Assassin's Creed does a fairly good job about representation. And so I don't see this as that out of the box, um, especially given, you know, what came later with Odyssey and Valhalla, especially in the amount of LGBT um, romances that we have in those two games. Yes, definitely. Um, so Jacob Fry with this is the first Assassin's Creed character to be explicitly named as not straight, like by Assassin's Creed themselves. Um, now we all have hypothesized about, you know, Ezio or Edward or all these other people who give off. We're speculating, but this is the first one that Assassin's Creed has stated. Mm -hmm. And Syndicate is going to have a lot for first because Jacob and Evie are the first dual protagonists of a game. Now, they're unique in a way because they are the only protagonist who both take a unique role in the story as playable characters. So, like, Avor, you just choose which gender representation you want to present as. Alexios versus Cassandra, all these come after Syndicate, so Syndicate would be the first. The only other like dual protagonist would technically be probably Haytham and Connor, but I don't really consider Connor a or not Connor, but Haytham a protagonist of that game. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, so, but Jacob and Evie are the first dual protagonist and the first to take that they both play a role in the story. It's not like you're choosing one path or the other. Both of them have unique experiences that experience in the game. They're the first to do that. And then Evie is the first female protagonist of a main Assassin's Creed title. Now, when I say main, I'm not including Chronicles. I'm not, in and I'm not including Liberation. And then, so just last little fun facts, both of Evie and Jacob's names are biblical in origin, which I think is interesting. Um, Jacob's biblical name means to grab the heel, and Evie is a variation on Eve, which just means life. Okay, again, haven't played this game, so I am asking this as a question. Um, you know, every single Assassin's Creed game deals with a piece of Eden in some way. So I find it interesting that Evie is named, you know, after Eve from the Garden of Eden, 
And so I'm just curious if there's anything in the lore and the texts in the uh, game that points to her having perhaps a little bit different of a relationship with a piece of Eden kind of in honor of those uh, coincidences with the names. Um, Yes. And we'll talk about that as we talk about her characteristics and you'll see kind of a little thing about that. But I also think it's interesting that Evie, this is another fun fact that I went because I was trying to figure out which one was born first to see if Jacob was actually born second, just like his biblical counterpart but evie and jacob are the only assassins that we know of who are knighted she is dame evie fry and sir jacob fry interesting so that's another fun fact that's a free fun fact oh i missed a fun fact uh so fry is the comes from an old english word which means free which you know they like to do these kind of nods like Ezio means eagle altair means eagle like just all kinds of little nods like that. So again, we have another word for free. These two assassins whose last name literally means free. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't necessarily have any like in-depth thoughts other than that's fascinating. As we jump into kind of their story, both Jacob and Evie are instrumental in taking down Crawford Sterrick's London Empire and obtaining the Shroud of Eden from Templar possession. Now... When you experience this and you experience in the game, you take different roles because they both take a different approach to dealing with Steric. And they fight about this and they do all kinds of stuff. So Jacob takes his fight against Steric's street gang. So like, think if you've watched the show Peaky Blinders, like this is the time era. This is like the style of the street gangs that they are interacting with. So the Blighters is what Steric's gang is called. And he Jacob founds his own gang and he calls them the Rooks. Evie, on the other hand, takes a different approach and she works with their advisor, Henry Green, uh, to work against Steric's efforts to get the Shroud and finding the Peace of Eden by sabotaging his efforts, killing his researchers and overall preventing him from obtaining the Shroud of Eden. And while they do work together, they have vastly different outlooks on how they should go about their business. It can often be described that Jacob is the impulsive, brash, headstrong one. But I would argue that Evie is also that way. Uh, She is just presents it differently. Evie is hyper-focused on the Peace of Eden and like we need to get the Peace of Eden away from that. That's how we defeat the Templars is we get the Peace of Eden and Jacob's like, nah, let's go kill these Templars, like actually remove them from the equation and also I get to have fun and be a gang leader. And then Evie develops a romantic relationship with Henry Green and uh, who is their advisor, assassin, uh, after the assassination of Steric, they are both knighted and become friends with Queen Victoria. Can I just ask how that happens? Like, is he a notorious criminal that like the queen wanted dead? Like, what's the situation that leads to them being knighted? Uh, so Steric, I'm trying to avoid a lot of spoilers for the game, um, but Steric, the Peace of Eden is under Buckingham Palace. 
so to get to the final fight, you have to inf- you have to infiltrate Buckingham Palace. And also I believe there's an there is a mission where Jacob just like accidentally rescues the queen, which seems on brand for him. Um, Jacob is very much presented as this person who like fails forward, like accidentally. It looks like he's messing up, but just has luck enough to everything to work out. Yeah, I've known a few of those. I feel like he and granted, this may be just my perception of like memes and the like, um, but I do feel like he is a little bit of a himbo. Kind of. Um, I would say that he definitely he definitely uh, respects women for someone in the 1860s. Uh, as as much as someone who is born in that context and raised in that society would respect women, uh, he's definitely beefy, and I I think he's attractive. But I don't know if I would classify him as dumb. He's impulsive and he's simple, but I don't think he's dumb. Okay, I can respect that. So their friendship with Queen Victoria does not last very long, because. Believe it or not, the assassins of the 19th century aren't down with imperialism. Shocking. I I don't know what. Why? Why not? (laughs) Um, So after the assassination of Steric and their knighting, Evie and Henry Green become engaged and relocate to India. After this, Jacob and Evie, uh, they break their friendship with Queen Victoria to further put the brotherhood away from an imperialist agenda. Henry and Evie with Jacob's help build the Indian brotherhood uh, where they train several upcoming assassins and they do return to London. But that is another story that I think Shelby particularly is going to find interesting. Yeah. Now's a good time for our mid break. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let's go to the mid break. Shoot! Shoot the flying demon! You weak fool! Get a job! Christina! Who's there? Me! Oh, it's you! I should have known! May I come in? Fine, but only for a minute. A minute is all I need. Indeed. Well, wait, uh, that came out wrong. All right, welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about all the things that have to do with the lore cast and not the lore of Assassin's Creed. The first thing I have to tell you is about our Patreon, which as a reminder, we do have a Patreon. We had our patron chat for January just last week, and it was awesome. We talked about New Year's resolutions of the Assassins, and it was a blast. Um, This year, we're sending out merch a few times this year in the form of stickers. So if you want to get in on that action, you'll have to join at the $10 tier tier or higher. Um, And just a general thank you to everybody who has ever supported us and who currently supports us on Patreon. Y'all keep helping us make the show. And it is the number one way to support the podcast. But the next best way is by leaving us a rating or a review or sharing us on your social media account so other people can find our podcast. And if you do leave us a rating or a review, 
We will read it out on the show if you, you know, leave kind words, of course. And I do have one to read today. This one comes from Kevin G, who commented on Spotify on our subject 16 character deep dive. And Kevin said this. If I could give this whole series five stars, I would. I've loved all the episodes I've listened to so far and hope you guys keep going. Well, the good news is, Kevin, you have a lot of catching up to do. We've got a lot of content um, past the subject 16 character deep dives. So um, hope you keep listening and uh, stay tuned for the, the episodes we're still releasing. Um, and then last but certainly not least, I always shout out our Discord, which is my favorite place on the internet. I always say that it is the best place on the internet. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, we've got a great group of a few hundred people who, you know, we get together, talk about video games and Assassin's Creed, Dragon Age, Baldur's Gate 3, Pokemon, Pokemon, you know, all the things. Um, so if 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 there's a game you're interested in and you want to make friends about it, I guarantee there's somebody in our Discord server who plays that game. So come on over and hang out with us. And Austin, I think that that's all I have to uh, talk about in the middle of the show. So unless you have anything else, I think we can get back to it. All right. Well, let's do it. Malaka. 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 Unless the legend is a lie, you are the man I long to meet, renowned master and mentor. It's your auditory, the la la la. Prego. Uh, forgive me. I have a hard time remembering that Italian gibberish. I'll see you all at the selection ceremony, ladies. I especially hope you show up. Let me guess. He's rich. So. It's the 19th century or the 1800s, London. It's turning the end of that century, 1888 to be exact. And if you know your British history or your serial killer history, you know that this can often be referred to as the Autumn of Terror. First Jacob and then Evie later, they return to London during to what we know as the Autumn of Terror. And so there's something going on, and it's more than just the random killings. Jacob is finding perversions of the creed being distrib distributed, like forsaking the harming the innocent, like not harming the innocent styles of the creed. And so he sends some of his assassins disguised as prostitutes to try to figure out who is this person who is brutally murdering women. Spoiler alert, none of his assassins described as or disguised as prostitutes uh, come back because they are brutally murdered by a serial killer that is named in game as the Ripper. So obviously this is Jack the Ripper. Um, mm -hmm. But my question is, so Jacob specifically sends several of his female assassins disguised to hunt this guy down. Do we know in the lore if all of Jack the Ripper's victims are um, Jacob's assassins or are there other non-assassin women in the mix who actually were sex workers? I think that yes. And the reason that Jacob sends them uh, disguised as that is because 
the sex workers are being targeted. And we know from Assassin's Creed history that sex workers have always been a uh, ally to the assassins. Yeah, I mean, even spot. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, even from the first games, we see that um, being be we see them being used in game working with the assassins. So that absolutely makes sense that he would have those contacts. I don't think that's um, out of character at all. I was just curious. What happens is there are uh, sex workers who are being murdered. And so Jacob sends his assassins disguised to try to figure out, like basically as like a scouting group to talk to the other sex workers in the area to like gather information because they're more likely to talk to other women mm-hmm. in the profession than they are Jacob coming in and asking questions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So they're all brutally murdered. And uh, in this killing spree in the autumn of terror, the killing spree of Jack the Ripper. Through this DLC, we learn that Jack was once an Indian assassin that was trained by Jacob and Evie over in India. Um, His family was brutally murdered. And he goes crazy and he uses and develops a like fear toxin. So if you're familiar with like the Batman series, like think like the Joker toxin or the fear toxin that Scarecrow uses or something like that. If you're with the um, Christopher Nolan films that, uh, you know, you for the first movie where they use that fear toxin, like they create these intense illusions. And so we learn that it is an assassin that they had trained that has come up and perverted the creed and started doing all of these murders. Well, believe it or not, an uncontrollable murder is not good for the assassin brotherhood. First, Jacob is like, because they're still training the Indian brotherhood, Jacob is basically to Evie like, you know what? I'll go look in this and hang out. When he realizes that it's Jack, Jacob sends a letter to Evie to be like, you have to come here. But before that, Jacob is captured by Jack or before Evie can get there. So Evie arrives and she has to find Jacob and they eventually find them and they learn Jack's identity and who he is. Uh, Though they never reveal who Jack was to the authorities. They never reveal his identity to anyone for fear of what the knowledge would do to the brotherhood in the circles of London and the foothold that they fought so strongly against Derek to establish. I think that's shitty. I do. I do because, and I I know this is a uh, fictional universe, but this is something that happened in our real life history. And I think the reason I think that it's shitty is because it means that the victims of these crimes could not get closure. They couldn't get justice, any form of justice. I don't think you can ever get really full justice when someone you love is murdered. Um, But when the person who is responsible for that murder goes to prison or is held responsible for their crimes, I think you can get a semblance of justice Um, and, and to kind of, conceal his identity 
because they wanted to protect themselves and their own organization and their own work, I think it deprives the victims of justice. And so I think it's shitty. I think I tend to agree with you. I think there is no, like, I think that Jacob and Evie here attempt to weigh two evils. Um, and they choose the one that doesn't compromise the organization that they feel is fighting for a bigger cause than, and we, and I'm not arguing either way. I just am offering what I think is their perspective on this and why they choose the way they choose because they're older at this point than they are. They're one of the youngest assassins that we play as. Um, I think Connor technically is the youngest, but they're really close. Um, they're like early 20s, very young, very impulsive. And but they've matured a lot in this. But I think that. Fighting for London to wrestle it from the Templars was not an easy task at all. And they basically walk in and them and Henry Green are the only assassins that are in the city at all mm -hmm. because they just can't have a strong hold and henry the game opens with a letter from henry green to the current mentor of the assassin the british assassins and he's basically saying there has not been an evil this strong since reginald birch ran the templars in london that's pretty significant and i yes. mean I'm I'm just kind of of two minds on this. Like, I do think that it would have been really hard to make that decision to turn Jack the Ripper in or not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here saying, oh, it's an easy decision. Like, it's clear what the right thing is. I think it kind of depends on where your priorities are. Um, for me and who I am as a person, like, I'm always trying to look out for the little guy. And so that's that's why I'm saying I think that the victims, you know, that's the the person I think that should be the center of attention in this conversation. But for somebody who's leading an organization like the Assassins, the priorities are different. And I think that it also is, I just think in life, it is usually really hard to do the right thing and really easy to do the wrong thing a lot mm -hmm. of times. Um, and, you know, sometimes we just want to take the easy way out. And that's not to say that the easy way out is always this horrible, evil thing, like not turning in Jack the Ripper. Um, but I think that there is wisdom that we can learn from this that we can apply to other things too. And I think what you said about the priorities is so spot on, because I think if we put this before two other assassins, let's put it before the founders. I am inclined to believe that Bayek is going to fall in your camp. Mm -hmm. He's going to want to turn it into the actual people. And Aya is going to probably agree with Jacob and Evie. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think what you're saying, it's very astute, the priorities and how that comes in there. Uh, so that's all we really know about their story and what happens with them. Uh, we do know that for all we know, we don't know if they're assassinated. We know they live on to have descendants or at least Jacob does, which I'll talk about in a minute. 
Um, but I think let's just go over some a little bit about their personalities and then we can talk about their legacy and some quotes. So Jacob, as I said, was impulsive, reckless, rebellious individual. He is very witty, very, very quick wit. Uh, and he tends to have an aggressive demeanor. And this is reflected in his actual play style. Like Jacob is very much more, he's still stealthy. Both Evie and Jacob have the ability to hide and be stealthy. But Jacob's fighting style is so much more in your face and brutal and it feels brutal. And so, and he's less, he's less about dodging and maneuver and debt. I think a great way to show this is that um, Jacob is a, is a strength build and Evie is a dex dexterity build. Um, well, and I, I don't think that, I think that makes complete sense given this is the 1800s, the late 1800s, the Victorian era, which was an era with extreme gender roles. So like Evie wouldn't have been encouraged to do anything strength-based at all in her whole life. She would have had to adhere to some very strict gender roles that, you know, uh, were frankly pioneered by their friend, Queen Victoria. So that makes total sense to me. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And like Evie, of course, is like not, you know, the thing of the help, help, helpless damsel. Mm -hmm. She very much comes in from like, she can take down, she can fight with Jacob, she can stand there and be ready for whatever needs to happen. It's just that it's not what she favors. Right. And it makes sense that what I'm saying is that I think it makes sense that she wouldn't be a warrior like Cassandra or Avor. No. Uh, and so while Jacob is born, both Evie and Jacob are born assassins and whose father was an assassin. They grow up on this strict lifestyle, which Jacob resents. Um, he resents his father as well as his father's teaching and usually lost his composure when Evie brought, when Evie would bring their deceased father into arguments. Uh, he did not believe to be like a real big believer in the creed's tenets. Now, I, I want to argue with this point that like I took from the, the wiki a little bit that it's not that he didn't believe in the Creed's tenets because Jacob is very adamant about that. We stick up for the little guy. We do not harm the innocents. What Jacob is lacking is the stick to the shadows, hide in plain sight. He's not, he's more upfront and in your face than probably an assassin would be. But if we look at our great assassins that we think Altair, Ezio, Adewale, all of these people who are heralded as great assassins, they knew when to be in your face. They knew there was a time and the place for uh, killings needed to be public and they needed to be on display to have effect. They knew when that needed to take place. Yeah, that's fair. And I also think, you know, just to push back a little bit, this little bit from the Wikipedia page does say that Jacob didn't appear to be a a fervent believer of the creed. 
So to me, I interpret that as like, okay, yeah, he may believe in this, but like he's not devoutly holding to every little line of the creed the way some other people do. And so I think you see that very clearly in that, okay, yeah, he's a little bit more of aggressive of a fighter. He's not necessarily involved or interested in the philosophy of it all. He just wants to fight people and end the issue. Right, definitely. And like that say, he prefers aggression. He prefers a good fight over sneaking around. Also does not care about the pieces of Eden. He, Evie and him have lots of conflicts about like, oh, we need to go after the piece of Eden. And Jacob is like, why? Let's just kill the people before they can find it and not worry about it. Mm -hmm. Which I, I think I see both sides of it because... There is the side of like, we need to find this so we can ensure no one else ever gets a hold of it. But I'm also with Jacob. It's like, you know, don't touch the fire. You won't get burned. Right. But also I'm on Evie's side totally with this because the reality is, and we know this based on the lore, the reality is with Ubisoft, with with the way they've written the Templars and Abstergo, there's always going to be another Templar. There's always going to be another one coming right up behind them looking for this thing. So you and you you have to cut the issue off at the head. Killing the people is not doing that. It's just cutting off the arms and legs. Mm-hmm. So in contrast to her twin brother, Evie, uh, basically takes her father's lessons to heart. Um, she is very studious. She is very interested in the lore and history of the assassins. There's a moment in game when you can go to the Kenway uh, mansion and she basically nerds out on all of the like Kenway relics and pieces of history there. Um, she has a fascination with the pieces of Eden, but it's not the same as like some Templars or the Order of Anches. She is fascinated in the pieces of Eden, but she is very keenly aware that these items do not need to be in the hands of anyone. No one needs to use these. They need to be destroyed. Uh, but unlike Jacob, Evie relies on her intelligence, her wit, and stealth to accomplish her objectives. She plans missions very carefully. Uh, she considers every angle and she would typically like go for the stealth approach. Uh, however, Jacob would say to her that this causes her to be slow to act. Um, whereas Evie would say, you plan nothing. And Jacob is like, you plan too much. This is a um, very... Um apt comparison because this is you and me i plan everything and you plan nothing right um i will say this before we go on to their legacy london does not fall out of steric's hands without both of them Mm -hmm. and you can't disrupt and and a templar like crawford steric without a plan you can't just walk into his hideout and kill him with your little hidden blade like it's just not happening. Mm-hmm. You have to plan it out. There's a great scene uh, that opens in the game or like, and Evie's like, what plan? Like, we're going to get our plan. What's the plan? And Jacob shows his hidden blade and he's like, this is the only plan I need. He's such an idiot. I'm so over <laughs> it. <laughs> I think that's how you're going to feel about it. Um, I'm kind of wanting you to go like we get off of this 
<laughs> podcast recording and I want you to go play Syndicate. Yeah, I kind of want to now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so their legacy and where they are. Um, we do know that Jacob has a granddaughter. So he at some point has a child who has a child. And this granddaughter's name is Lydia, Lydia Fry. And we know this because she's the active assassin in London during World War One. Uh, we don't know if Jake, if Evie has any descendants. There are descendants of Henry Green's parents, but they have confirmed, Ubisoft has confirmed that they the descendants of them are not through um, Evie and Henry's line. So either Henry has children with another woman or he has a brother or sister that we just don't know that that information is not confirmed. But like we only know about this one specific part of their their family tree. We don't know all the rest of the details. Right. So it's kind of no. just like we're assuming there are more relatives. We just don't know how they all line up. It seems likely, especially given the time that family, given the context of the time period, families typically were larger than family sizes that we have now. So the odds of him having a sibling, I think, are higher than him having a child with another woman. Mm -hmm. So, are, and then the last little legacy is Jacob and Evie are both mentioned in Assassin's Creed Odyssey by Layla. When they're in the London hideout, she looks at Big Ben and she goes, I bet the Fry twins had a lot of fun climbing that. That's fun. Which I will say this um, just in general, both Unity and Syndicate as games are stunningly accurate recreations of those cities of London and Paris. Well, I mean, they used Unity to, to recreate the part of Notre Dame that was that was burned, right? Yes, it is the only, at the time, it was the only fully rendered 3D model of the cathedral that anyone had. In what world is that responsible? Like, uh, you would think, like, I I'm sure the building is insured for billions of dollars. Like, your everyday regular churches that are just, you know, down the street, first United, whatever of whatever town and whatever state, like they're insured for millions of dollars. Okay. Like mm. I can't imagine that a cathedral like Notre Dame isn't insured for billions. Like I, there's just no way. And so I can't believe that their insurance companies allowed that. Right. I mean, it's hard to tell because like when you do that, but they were like, because, like, it's so old that to, like, probably do it from, like, a constructural or, uh, like, architectural standpoint might be difficult. But the fact that, like, a video game fully recreated this huge, hugely important historical site. Right. And it was the only 3D model. Um, but that's one of the great things about I think Syndicate is a vastly underrated game. I think it is a really well told story. I think Crawford Sterrick is a really good villain. He has a fantastic mustache. And, you know, we love a villain with a mustache. They're not a villain if they don't have a mustache, frankly. I know. <laughs> um, but he's up there. He, uh, as If you listen to our favorite Assassin's Creed villains patron chat, you know that Crawford Sterrick is one of my favorites. 
but it's a great game. You definitely should play it. You should play the Jack the Ripper DLC. Uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun mechanics. Um, you get a grappling hook, which is just a lot of fun. Um, but are you ready for some quotes? Sure. So this one, I think, is just encapsulates everything that is Jacob Fry. And it just says, I'm no criminal. I just do as I please. That's what criminals say, bud. <laughs> I feel, but I feel like Ron Swanson would also say this. Yeah, I just do as I please and I do what I want, have the same vibes for sure. Yes. So this and this next quote is a perfect example of the relationship between Jacob and Evie. Uh, and what exactly will you be doing, might I ask, Evie? You know very well, tracking down the piece of Eden. Jacob, enjoy your studies. I'll be out killing Templars. And this is one Jacob, Jacob voicing his plans for the Rooks to Evie. I've always thought of myself as a gang leader, firm but fair. We'll have uniforms and I'll unite a mix of disenfranchised outsiders under one name. That's it, Evie. We can rally them to our side. I can see it now. We'll call ourselves the Rooks. I, I want to pause here and just say, is this not what the Assassin Brotherhood just is already? Yeah, I was going to say, I just feel like he wants to be like the leader of the assassins, but doesn't know how to get there. And so he does this instead. Like, it's just why would he not just start his own like. uh, What are they called? Like cell of the assassins. It makes no sense yeah. to me. Well, they're not at cells yet. So they're still under the like brotherhood. OK, um, so, and then here's Evie, a quote from Evie, because I didn't want to have only Jacob only quotes. So here's one from Evie. For every mission, there is a right way and a wrong way. Barging thoughtlessly into combat is, more often than not, the latter. I mean, I agree, but also I do, when playing Assassin's Creed, have a tendency to barge into combat. Now, I have to tell you, when you play these games, Unity and Syndicate, and when you play Mirage, you cannot I know. Do that. I know. I've already gotten the barging out of my system with Baldur's Gate. Like, I get it. I get it. Okay. So, and then lastly, Jacob, have you got a better plan? Evie, find the piece of Eden. Which is basically him saying, do you have a better plan? And her saying, yeah, my plan. Yes, exactly. Which is such an older sister thing to say. I say as an older sister. Yes. I don't know if she is born first, so don't quote me on that. But she does give older sibling Look, energy. Sometimes you have siblings, especially ones that are really close in age. And it doesn't matter. There's just it, sometimes it ends up where there's one sibling that they're the older sibling, even if they're not. It just it just is sometimes the vibes. That's fair. So on all, that's all we got. How do you feel about the twins? Um, They're interesting. I do think I agree with your assessment that Jacob is going to be a little bit irritating to me, uh, but I think I'll probably really like Evie. But yeah, I mean, they both seem like really interesting characters and I do find I do find their story interesting because they do so much and like it's interesting to me that they are so influential enough to have a relationship with the literal queen of England 
and yet they're like i feel like they're not recognized in the assassin world and probably that's because they live in england at a time when england is overrun with templars um but it's just interesting to me um yeah i think that they definitely are not recognized as much as they should be um but they do do like you said this impossible feat that I mean, we can talk about that, you know, Ezio is an underdog and what he's trying to do. I mean, he is literally going up against the papacy. I mean, that is a big deal. And Connor obviously is an underdog in what he's doing. But it's not the same as Jacob and Evie. And you you really have to stress, like, just how much of a hold the Templars have had on England historically. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's one thing to start out as an underdog. Obviously, most of most of them start out that way with a few exceptions. But the thing about it with Jacob and Evie for me is it seems that they stay underdogs until the end. Whereas, you know, Ezio, he comes out on. Well, I was going to say he comes out on top until his old age where he kind of retires and, you know, all of that. But like he becomes a big deal. Connor becomes a big deal. Lots of them become a big deal. Altair obviously becomes a huge deal. Um, whereas I don't feel like Jacob and Evie have that same situation. No. And I think that part of it is overshadowed that they like work up to the end of the 19th century and the 20th century, like Abstergo really like starts to get on the field and the Templars come out as this worldwide organization and the different holds on different cities cease to matter. Sure. Because Abstergo conquered the world, basically. Mm-hmm. But I really like the Fry Twins. Syndicate is an underrated game. If you haven't played it, go play it. It's a great game. But that's all I got for this episode. All right. Well, let's wrap it up then. Um, thank you for bringing the research. This has been a character deep dive that I've been looking forward to. I didn't quite get to uh, finish the game before we did this one, but that's okay. Um, it was still, still a good episode and still good to, to learn about them. And now I have a foundation of knowledge to build on when I do play syndicate. So that'll be fun. Um, but yeah, thanks for bringing the research and thank you to all of you who have listened to this episode. We will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at AC Lorecast. If you have any lore questions or topics to unpack, join our Cups Podcasting and More Discord server. It's the best place on the internet. You can also support us financially through our Patreon. Find us on patreon.com slash Assassin's Creed Lorecast. The Assassin's Creed Lorecast is part of the Robots Radio Network. For more information about the Robots Radio Network, join the Discord server via the link in our episode's description. If you enjoyed the show or learned something new today, please subscribe, leave us a review, and join the Patreon. And if you enjoyed our intro and outro music, make sure you give a big thank you to Pipe Man Studios. Thank you, Pipe Man. Thanks again for listening to the Assassin's Creed Warcast. And always remember, Assassins, stay in the shadows to serve the light.
well do you know your video game lovers? Have you ever wondered how your video game bays stack up against all the other delectable digital dates? I'm Genesis, the girl whose motto in life is love, laugh, tequila. And on Two Girls, One Ship, we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. And I'm Vervada, the hopeless romantic cat lady and lifelong gamer. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of physical connection. Or from the deep emotional connections built between two characters, using specific in-game dialogue and the overall narrative journey. So join the two girls, one ship, shipsters, and remember... Beauty is in the eye of the controller.